Hey everybody, welcome to the Single Tracks Podcast. My name is Jeff and today Aaron and Greg and I are going to talk about some of the news in the mountain bike world and talk about some of the things that we're working on. So one of the things I want to start with is to talk about some mountain bikes that we're testing. Aaron, you've got a new bike in from Niner that you're testing. How's that going? It's going great. You know, some people may know I've been doing a fair amount of racing this year. So I got Niner's new Air 9 RDO, which is their super lightweight racing hardtail. It's a full XT drivetrain. It's got the top of the line Fox Factory 32 Kashima coated fork on it. And then it stands arch wheels, the older generation though, not the, not, not the newest super wide arches. And then a bunch of Niner parts. So Niner, you know, they do a carbon post and it's got a Niner saddle, Niner carbon bar. But out of the box with pedals and everything, it's 22 pounds, so Whoa. it's uh, super light. And probably one one thing, one more thing I want to mention about it. It came with Maxxis Icon tires on it, but they actually went with like the top spec EXO sidewall protection tubeless ready version, and they've spec'd it with a 2.35 in the front and a 2.2 in the back. So it's really smart spec. Like usually, you know, I'm really picky about tires, and that's one of the first things I change on like every single bike that I get in. But this is the you know one of the few times where I haven't felt the need to do that. So definitely. Kudos to Niner for specking, you know, tires you'd actually want to ride on the bike. I've been on a handful of really long rides on it already, and it is amazingly comfortable for a carbon hardtail. Like, I I don't know what kind of magic they did to make that happen, but it does uh, not ride like you'd think a carbon hardtail would or should necessarily. The one thing, it does have a 27.2 seat post, and... Uh, like I said, it's a carbon one from Niner, which probably adds to the comfort, but does make it a little hard to find a dropper post for it, or at least one that's internally routed. There's several externally routed 27.2 dropper posts on the market, but I think we all agree that external routing doesn't look as clean for the dropper, especially when, I mean, if you see the lines on this bike, you'll see in the when, I, when we post the review and couple months or whatever it'll it's a great looking bike and it would be a shame to have like a big loop of cable or hose just dangling off the back of it so that, that's a bit of a bummer uh, i would have preferred to see like a 30.9 or or a 31.6 seat tube so you had more dropper options but i mean it is a race bike after all and i think that's probably what most people want is the lightest possible yeah that's a really sweet looking bike it's got a cool like 90s uh neon paint job well it's matte black and then kind of the underside the tubes are heavily shaped and then the underside of the tubes have neon colors it's the it's called the cmyk paint jobs it's got some all the different colors on it it looks cool now i don't know how well it'll age you know but uh in the moment it's definitely a cool looking bike awesome i I look forward to reading your review about it i'm testing a bike from a company called starin and it's a small new company out of Canada. Right now, they only have one bike, and that's the one I'm testing. It's the (laughs) FSM 140, and this is a trail bike, 140 millimeters of travel. It's a really sweet build. Um, It's an aluminum bike, but it's got top-of-the-line components. It's got an XT drivetrain and brakes. It's got an X-Fusion dropper post, X-Fusion fork and uh, shock on it as well. And the whole thing retails for just 2750 so the really affordable price on this bike we weighed it and it's about 30 pounds 
which isn't too bad. I mean, it's not. It's definitely not the lightest thing out there, but at that price, it's, it's definitely a great, great option. Staren is going to be selling these mail order, so this is a direct to consumer type of bike that you can get. So I think a lot of people are going to be really interested to see this bike and you know maybe check it out for themselves. It is a tall bike, so you know I'm a I'm tall. I'm about six foot three, and we got the large bike in, and man, I feel like I barely fit on it, and it, we're, I'm not really sure what it is. It's got really a like a really tall seat post mast that sticks way up. Um, so it's hard to, with the dropper especially, it's hard to get the seat post down very far. But so far, so good. I, I do have, it does fit me, um, but just barely. So if you're, you know, less than six foot three, <laughs> you might have a hard time with the large, maybe go with the medium. Yeah, like uh, for instance, I, you know, I'm six six foot right on the nose and uh, I... I don't think I could ride this bike. Usually I can ride most brands larges, but I think more than anything, like Jeff said, it's got a really tall seat mast. So if you cut another inch off that seat mast, I could probably get the post low enough, but as it is, it's a yeah, that it's too tall. But I will say, I mean, it is an awesome looking bike. Like we're sitting in the office right now checking it out and it's it's a sharp looking bike and especially for I mean 2750 that's pretty damn good price and it came with the uh those new stands arch wheels on it which are in like big proper 2.4 inch Continental tires so it's a it's a legit build and you know 30 pounds is kind of the the going weight for burlyish trail bikes these days anyway so definitely a sweet looking bike I'm a little bummed I can't ride it cuz <laughs> cuz my legs aren't long enough <laughs> Yeah, and it is worth noting we've got a bunch of bikes out to our other riders as well. We have a Niner RLT9 gravel bike out to Colton Locke, who's reviewing that. Uh, we have a framed Marquette Hardtail 27.5 Plus rig out to Helena. Um, we have a Fatback Skookum, uh, obviously fat bike, I guess, um, out to Alec, who's testing that in Alaska. And uh, Michael's got a Comensal downhill bike, I believe. Um, do we have any others out to people right now? Or is that it? Nail it. So, yeah, we've got a lot of bikes in. And uh, so definitely keep an eye on the website as those reviews start dropping. Me personally, I'm going retro, and I did a single speed build actually recently on a five year old hardtail 29er frame. So I'm kicking it old school, but it's been it's been a lot of fun. So that's what I've been riding most recently. Sweet. Well, shifting gears, another thing I wanted to talk about uh, that happened recently is the Sustainable Trails Coalition had their wilderness bill introduced in Congress. And this is a big step along the way toward getting bikes allowed in wilderness here in the United States. Greg, do you have anything you'd want to add to that? I would add simply that this is monumental in the fact that it's never happened before. Like people think, you know, IMBA or other organizations have tried to reverse the ban bikes in the wilderness, but never in the history of mountain biking has legislation been introduced to attempt to change you know, the blanket ban on bikes in the wilderness. So it's, it's just huge that we've even gotten this far, you know, like whether or not it's going to actually succeed, you know, that's still out, but at least we're trying, you know, I've heard a lot of feedback and comments from various people, both online and offline who, uh, they're like, there's no chance this bill is going to pass, you know, but 
I think we got to try, you know, like we could just sit around with our defeatist attitudes and say, it's never going to work. But if we never try, we'll never know for sure, you know? So uh, I'm just stoked to have seen uh, this bill get this far already and excited to see sort of where we go from here. Yeah. And so I guess the next step is for it to go to a committee or to be assigned to a committee and then um, have that committee consider the bill. So we'll definitely be keeping a watch on that and um, updating you on the progress that the bill is making in Congress. One of the uh, current calls to action is to write your senator and then your local House of Representatives representative. And uh, just get the word out there if you're in favor of Bikes and Wilderness. If you're not, just don't write anybody. But uh, no, but write your (laughs) senator, write your congressman, let them know that you're in support of this. That's you know, that's the one way we can really have our voice heard by a representative. And then other than that, it's out of our hands. So, but yeah, um, do that for sure. Right on. Well, it's summertime and that means that we're doing a lot of traveling here at Single Tracks, checking out different mountain bike destinations all over the country and, and now the world. So Aaron, you recently went to California. How was that? It was sick, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I went to Santa Rosa, which is about 70 miles north of San Francisco, if you're unfamiliar. Uh, It's up in wine country in Sonoma County. And they got in touch earlier in the year and were like, hey, do you want to come check out the mountain biking scene in Santa Rosa and drink some wine? And I was like, hell yeah. So went out there for a few days. And I actually, I really, really liked Santa Rosa. It's a a good-sized town. It's like a little less than 200,000 people. So it's uh like big enough to have everything that you would need but also you know it's not San Francisco even though you're close to there you are you know in the in a valley where it's kind of it's a lot drier and warmer but within 30 minutes drive you can be out of the Pacific coast on highway 1 yeah it's just beautiful the trails are super fun the riding community there is huge i mean there's just people riding everywhere all the time there's all kinds of mountain bike races that go on, lots of gravel races, just a really welcoming community, and I really enjoyed my time there. So that was a, that was a fun trip for sure. Some other trips that we got uh, planned, I'm trying to spend a lot of time in North Georgia riding. I've got uh, O-Ram coming up, which is off-road assault on Mount Mitchell. It's a long race up in uh, western North Carolina. So I'll be going up to race that in a couple weeks, and once that's over, I'll be spending a few days in western North Carolina just riding and visiting some companies up there like Cane Creek and Industry 9 since they're in the area. And then later on this summer, I'll be going up to Snowshoe, which will be my first time riding in West Virginia, so really pumped for that. And then, of course, it'll be about time for Interbike and all that jazz. So lots of travel coming up, keeping busy. Yeah, I've been lying pretty low on the travel recently just to continue to let my knee heal from ACL surgery, but uh, but it's been healing well. And I've been just riding near my home here in Colorado and taking the opportunity to check out some new trails in the past few weeks. And uh, yeah, riding is, is great right now all over the Northern Hemisphere, you know, so midsummer and trails are riding awesome. But once August hits, I'm going to be hitting the ground running with travel as well. Heading to Sun Valley, Idaho for a week to check out that scene there and uh, bring you more details about the best trails to ride in Sun Valley. Uh, After that, I'll be heading over to Crested Butte a couple days for a press launch and like a product launch type deal. And I'll have a bit of downtime, but I'll be taking off 
to Europe for about three weeks, which I'm super stoked for. And uh, in Europe, I'll be hitting, uh, I think I counted up five different countries. Um, So I'll be doing uh, riding in the Pyrenees in Spain. I will be then heading to Eurobike in Germany just for a couple of days and get the feel of that scene. Uh, But we'll be staying in Austria while I'm there. So that's like two countries in one, which I'll take it. And then after that, Still working out the final details, but I should be hitting up uh, Les Gay in France and then Lenzerheide in Switzerland. So really excited about that trip, which will be rad. And then about the time I get home, it'll be turn around and go to Interbike as well. So yeah, it's going to be a packed few months, but should be exciting. So jealous you guys get to travel all over the place. <laughs> and I'm stuck here in Atlanta. <laughs> Somebody's got to keep the lights on. That's true. Well, at least I still have Pokemon Ooh. Go. <laughs> and that's that's the thing I want to talk about next. <laughs> that's all Jeff does now is play Pokemon yeah, Go. I'm I'm doing really well. If you've seen me on there, I've got a lot of Pokemons, I guess. I don't know. Honestly, no, I don't play Pokemon <laughs> Go. <laughs> as you <laughs> as you could tell. But I did write about it, and there was a lot of commentary on the social media about that post. A lot of people you don't say yes. A lot of people were not impressed, but you know, it is something that we're hearing a ton about it, and it's really taking the nation by storm. Maybe by the time this podcast comes out, people are going to be like, "Oh, remember that fad?" You know, that thing's already <laughs> gone. But um, I mean, I do, I do think there are a lot of positive things about it. Getting people outside that weren't outside before, and you know, if it makes mountain biking more fun for people too, or they get out for an extra ride during the week because they want to play Pokemon Go, then I think that's great. So I'm not really sure what the controversy is other than just to be like, hey, I'm cool and I don't play Pokemon Go. You know, people are people are proud that they're above it or whatever. What do you guys think about it? So far, I haven't seen anyone playing it on the trails, but I have seen a lot of people yeah, just wandering around, staring at their phones, and then when they walk by you, you're like, "Oh, you're playing Pokemon Go" because you can see it on their screen. I've also noticed that you know people in random places. I do a lot of riding around the city, and you know, there's some odd cut-throughs that I go through around town, and I'll see people, and I'm like, oh, "I've never seen anyone back here." And then you know, they're looking down at their phones. I'm like, "Ah, yes, <laughs> Pokemon." So I haven't tried it. I don't quite get it, but. See, people seem to be into it. So uh, I guess as long as they're not walking out in the middle of traffic, then it's probably not a bad thing to yes. have people moving their bodies. <laughs> well, I think maybe that's one of the big controversies, rather, on the mountain bike trail is, you know, people like will be riding along and then they'll stop in the middle of the trail. Like we've already had some people commenting saying they've had collisions with people stopped in the middle of like a sketchy single track trying to catch a Pokemon. You know, so um, I think that's probably where, you know, that controversy arises. But I don't know. I live so far out in the sticks. I ha- I can't say I've seen anybody even playing it yet. So um, I have no firsthand experience, unfortunately. Or fortunately. Depends how you look at it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess that's this is a good public service announcement that if you are playing on the mountain bike trails, please pull over to the side. <laughs> let other riders pass while you catch your Pokemon. <laughs> I did see a pretty funny video on YouTube where, or YouTube or Facebook, I don't know, guy like 
it's like, oh, I fixed the accelerometer in my phone to be more realistic to feel like throwing a ball at a Pokemon. And he just like whips his phone at the thing. He's like, oh, yep, I caught it. Because <laughs> it's like broken in half. It's pretty good. I was like, nice. <laughs> but yeah, everybody's saying it's like the the most popular mobile phone game of all time, which that's like an achievement, right? You know, in like course of a couple weeks. Yeah, bigger than Angry Birds. I mean, Angry yeah. Birds has been around for how long? And they made they made like Star Wars editions of Angry Birds. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I mean, didn't it add, didn't Pokemon Go add like seven billion dollars to Nintendo's value in a week? Really, it did. <laughs> yeah, and that's why it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from here. What else they're going to do to you know keep people playing and make it interesting, and to see what kind of copycats they're going to be too. You know. Don't be surprised if you see Strava adding like a Pokemon segment or something to the app, you know. Anyway, speaking of new stuff, there are a lot of new bikes in the last few weeks that we've been seeing from different companies, including Santa Cruz, Trek, and Niner. So let's talk about the Santa Cruz bikes. What do you guys know about the new ones? No new models, really. It's uh, that they're now offering aluminum versions of some of their most popular frames. So the 5010... The Tallboy, the Tallboy 3, the recently updated one, and the new Bronson will all be coming in an aluminum frame option now, whereas before they were just carbon. So significantly more affordable, you know, still not cheap, but I mean, you can get frame and shock for any of these, I think right around 2000 bucks. So much more affordable. They also are offering a bunch of different build kits. Um, you know, like the Tallboy, when it first came out, I think there were two build kits and the cheapest one was like you know, 5,600 bucks or something like that. So it was kind of, kind of crazy. So they've expanded their build kits, you know, all the way down to, you know, Dior SLX level components. And then the high end stuff is getting the new SRAM Eagle groups with the big old 12 speed 52 cassette. And I guess the other big news from them was the high tower will be offered in a C version carbon frame, which is their entry-level carbon frame, I guess. Uh, still no aluminum frame for that for the high tower yet, but it, they are adding the C frame in addition to the CC carbon frame that's already out. So a little bit cheaper. You can't get the C frame by itself, but it does bring the complete bike price down a little bit. All right, what about Trek? What's Trek up to? Man, Trek's been busy. They launched the new Fuel EX and the Remedy at the same time and then like a week later they launched the new slash so it really seems like they're trying to simplify their line you know trek was one of the few companies that was offering 27.5 and 29 inch wheeled versions of the same bike so like the fuel is their most popular kind of do it all light duty trail bike and they you know for the past few seasons have been offering both wheel sizes well now they're going to just a 29 inch frame although you can run plus wheels on it so but it's the same frame uh you just pick whichever you know build you want so the the 27.5 version of the fuel is going away and that's the fuel is really their their bread and butter you know they've got price points on that thing all the way from 2200 up to 8500 so they they sell a lot of the fuels and i saw one in person actually at the truck store out in santa rosa when i was there and it's a it's a good looking bike for sure like i would it's gotten more trail worthy as well you know where the previous version have had just smaller stanchion forks and kind of skewed more cross country the newer ones have gotten longer slacker lower more 
more capable components on them. So it's a definitely an awesome all around trail bike. Uh, the one thing that they did is the, uh, the knock block headset thing. So on these new bikes, Trek went with a revised down tube and they call it a straight shot down tube because basically it goes straight from the head tube to the bottom bracket. But doing that meant that, you know, if you turned your bars too far, the crown of your fork could smash into your down tube. So to prevent that, they've put bumpers on the frame and also developed this like keyed headset thing to prevent your your bars from spinning around too far. But yeah, I don't know. It just seems like they engineered a problem for themselves that they then had to engineer their way out of. But like in the write-up, I said, you know, I'd probably trade a little frame stiffness for not smashing my fork into my frame, but maybe that's just me. The Remedy, which was launched with the fuel, got more travel. It got slacker, got lower, and they got rid of the 29-inch version on that. So the Remedy, another bike, again, that Trek offered with both wheel sizes, but now they're making that exclusively a 27.5 bike. But in doing so, making the Remedy longer travel, it was kind of very squarely on the Slash's toes, which is their like enduro race bike. So I was kind of wondering what was going to happen with that since the Remedy was essentially you know the same stats and they turned the Slash into a long travel 29er. So it's super slack. It's got a 65 degree head angle, you know, full carbon frame, and it's it's a freaking gorgeous bike but uh it is expensive the frame by itself frame and shock is going to run 3700 bucks mm. and they're the two complete builds are 5500 bucks and then nine thousand dollars for their race shop limited so gorgeous bike but probably out of uh out of the reach of most of us at least until maybe they make a uh aluminum frame version of it we'll see Wow, yeah, that's a lot of changes. So finally, the Niner updates. Niner updated a couple of their bikes, including one which is able to run 27.5 plus wheels. Both of them. That's kind of weird, right? Both of them can do it now. Yeah, both the new Rip 9 RDO and the Jet 9 RDO can do either 29-inch wheels or 27.5 plus. Maybe they should have called it 29 wide because it's essentially very close to like the same height. But as Aaron, as a lot of people have discovered, like the sagged height difference is a bit different, but it's close. So everybody's like, oh, why is... Mm, it's not really close. It's not close? Well, when it's not sagged, the overall diameter is fairly close. But no, once you get on the bike, that's that's what I found. It changes quite a bit. So to compensate for that, Niner says you have to use a different fork. Um depending on the wheel size that you're running. So they have different fork travel lengths to essentially try to keep the uh, bottom bracket height and the geometry close to similar. Some other bikes have a chip in the rear suspension linkage that you can adjust that will adjust the height of the bottom bracket to compensate for the sag in the tires, essentially from running really low air pressures. But other brands don't have any compensation. So um, people are still trying to figure out what the best approach is. And Niner's approach is to have a specific fork to go with a specific wheel. Which means, you know, if you want to get the Jet 9 RDO or the Rip 9 RDO and you want to switch wheel sizes to maintain the same geometry, you're also going to have to switch your fork as well, which that's not cheap to do. So 
definitely something to bear in mind. But the way they've got the build set up, you know, they're selling complete builds in both wheel sizes on both bikes. So you might want to think ahead of time what you want to do and then just choose the one that you're most likely to ride. Uh, the other big news is that the suspension travel lengths have changed on these bikes. So the RIP 9 got a serious bump up to 150 mil in the rear versus 125 previously. So it has 160 or 170 up front depending on the wheel size. And that's more like what the WFO 9 used to be or still is like. And then the Jet 9 jumps up basically to what the RIP 9 used to be. So about that 125, 130 mil travel length. Which kind of makes sense because last year Jeff was at the RKT9 launch and that's their new like 100 mil cross-country full suspension race bike which was stepping on the Jet 9's toes. So yeah, like uh, we saw with Trek, like we're seeing a lot of these models sort of bump up their aggressiveness and their travel length, which I find a look a bit confusing. I mean, the, the the bike keep getting more travel and more and more capable and marching up, you know, the the product line, and then you end up having a hole underneath. So, like with, the, I mean, the Jet Nine when it first came out, it was like an eighty mil travel full suspension XC race bike, and then it went to a hundred, then it went to one twenty. And now it's what one twenty five or whatever it is now. So yeah, yeah. So then then they didn't really have an XC race bike anymore. So they came out with the RKT, which is their now their full suspension race bike. You see that with a lot of brands. I'm not trying to pick on nine or anything, but I think it's just more. You know, these bikes are just so capable, like and at the same weight, right? Like if you know five years ago, it probably would have had to have a short travel, you know, hundred mil bike to get it around, you know, 25 to 27 pounds or whatever. But now it's like, if you can have a 25, 27 pound bike that has 140 mil of travel, like why not, you know? So, but yeah, it is funny just to see these bikes continually move up. And now it's like, what are they going to do with the WFO? Cause the rip nine is, you know, it's way more capable than the WFO is. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to even do anything with that bike or if they just kind of, drop it gets pushed off the top you know because i mean what you know they're gonna have 180 mil travel full suspension 29 maybe i don't know well <laughs> I, I guess that's why like i'm confused it's like basically the new rip 9 is like the rdo only or is the wfo WF, only nicer yeah. you know so why don't you just make the wfo nicer and then still call it the wfo i don't know maybe we'll see another launch from them in like a month and then it'll all become clear It'll all make sense. Yeah, I get the other the other news with the Niner is they updated the geometry, fully modernized it. You know, I think Niner kind of had you know held on to the formula that had been working for them for a while, and their bikes, you know, in their defense, ride great. But they were, you know, longer chainstays, not that long top tubes, kind of what you would consider progressive modern geometry. But they went in definitely head first with these two latest bikes. So. It'll be cool to see where they go from here. Yeah, definitely. All right, so finally this week, we're going to wrap up with your favorite segment, what's grinding our gears and stoking our spokes. So, Greg, start us off. What's grinding your gears? My my gears are literally, literally grinding, Jeff. My uh, <laughs> my drive <laughs> my drivetrain uh, on my full suspension all-mountain enduro-y long-travel trail bike is in need of replacement, you know, just standard maintenance, new chain, new set, new 
you know, chain rings, the whole nine. But that's really grinding my gears. But I've been single speeding a lot lately and just been super stoked on the simplicity of it. And I'm just like, when are we going to get some of this simplicity in like our, you know, blinged out full suspension trail bikes? Like I'm really wanting to see some of this, uh, gearbox technology finally come along to the point where we're starting to see it, you know, on mainstream bikes, like just having like belt, honestly, I love belts, you know, just having a belt in a gearbox and like simplifying this stuff a little bit would just be so rad. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm sick of drivetrains. Everybody's like, I'm making a better drivetrain. I'm like, how about we drop drivetrains, you know, <laughs> let's do something else. So that's sort of grinding my gears lately. But I am stoked on stuff too. I What are you stoked on, Greg? Yeah. <laughs> Regular listeners may recall that uh, I tore my ACL back in January and I've been working hard on rehab. And while I'm not 100% yet, man, I'm doing pretty, pretty dang good for just being six months out from surgery. So that has been stoking me for reals. Been able to get out and do a lot of big high alpine rides, which you know, even a month ago would have been out of my comfort zone, you know, so it's just feeling really good to get healed up and getting close to back to hundred percent, like back on the bike, you know, so that's been happy spot for me for sure. Right on. Well, one of the things that's stoking my spokes right now is this new batch of single tracks hats. So this is the first time we've done a hat. Um, and we worked with Weevil Outdoor Supply Co. They make a lot of really cool hats. In fact, the hat that I'm wearing right now, which is from Terrapin Brewery. But yeah, they make really cool hats, and we finally got some with the fresh new Single Tracks logo on them. So I'm really stoked to have those. And if you want one, we've got them in the on our online store. So it's shop.singletracks.com. You can order one of those. But yeah, they're they're really sweet thing to have you know t-shirts are cool but like you can only wear that one day a week but i wear hats every day of the week truth so, so it's it's good to have that pretty sweet hat in stock now and then the only thing that's kind of grinding my gears is the heat i think the whole country this week anyway is uh you know under some serious heat right now and it's just been so humid and hot and I try to ignore it. I try to tell myself, like, no, no excuses, like, just go out and ride. But, man, I've had a couple of rides in the last week or two that I've had to cut short just because it was so hot. And it's tough to stay hydrated and not just, like, fall off the bike. So I'm ready for the, <laughs> I'm ready for some cooler temperatures. Only two more months, Jeff, <laughs> before it's cool. Yeah, this is actually 2016 is the hottest year on record so yeah. far. So got that to look forward to <laughs> real stoked on that trip to to california that i just took like i said I, I really dug santa rosa like if i was gonna move to california that would be a place i would consider to ride just because you got everything you need super easy access to the trails annandale state park is right there in town and i mean you can ride like i don't know what four miles or five miles from downtown and you can be in a state park that has depending on who you ask, up to 70 miles of trail. So that's a shit ton of riding to have, like, right there, you know? So stoked on that. I got a, a new personal bike. I got a uh, Salsa Warbird, which is a nice. gravel grinder. <clears throat> hate that term. <laughs> it's, a, it's a road bike with clearance for big tires, but it's got disc brakes. 
it's super rad. So been riding that a lot around town, doing lots of road, but kind of some urban cross stuff, hitting little bits of trail around the city. So really been digging that. And as for grinding my gears, I don't know, not too much. I guess I would say I'm a little, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much politics on this thing, but a little, just a little tired of the, uh, the presidential campaign still going on. It's like <laughs> November, hurry up and get here. I just, I mean, it seems like it's been two years of presidential campaign so far. So I'm just ready for it to be done. Tired of the endless coverage and. I mean, I do it to myself. I'm a kind of a news junkie, so. <laughs> but that's all anyone's talking about, so I don't know. I saw that uh, George W. Bush got out for a mountain bike ride recently for his birthday. That was in the news. Oh, did he? Yeah, it's presidential. Right. So, a little feel yeah. good piece. Yeah, yeah. He was out on the ranch, you know, for a mountain bike ride, and I think they, they ate some burgers and hot dogs afterward. Like it looked, it looked. How old is that guy now? I mean, he's he's no spring chicken. <laughs> I mean, that's that's respect, man. Yep, still getting after it. You think he rides a dropper? I bet he does. Uh, the, from what I saw, it didn't look like it. His bike looked kind of old. Looked what? like he's yeah on kind of a like an older trek maybe. But he hadn't upgraded. No. See, GW is twenty six for life, man. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he's got that tatted on his calf. Yep, I've heard rumors ain't of that. Dead. <laughs> heard rumors of that. Just low enough where like the socks can cover it, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Nobody knows. Well, cool. It's been fun recapping some of the news that's been happening in the mountain bike world in the last few weeks or so. If you want to keep up, we're not going to do this every time for you. We're not going to recap it. So you, if you want to stay up to date, you got you to keep up with the blog. Keep up with us on Facebook. So check us out online. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.